Welcome to True Crime Daily. Even though the stories you'll hear are short, they are very much intended for an adult audience. The stories you'll hear cover some very serious subject matter, and they contain content that will be alarming for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. 2.45am, December 3rd, 2016. A New Jersey Uber driver does his rounds, waiting for the next pickup. He drives past an old 94 Oldsmobile, parked strangely. One, for the way it's parked, and two, for where it's parked. It was parked on the crest of the Route 35 bridge that went over Shark River in Belmar, New Jersey. It looked like it had been left, not parked. Strange place and strange time to leave a car. The driver called the police and reported it. Police arrived to find the key still in the ignition. No sign of the driver inside or outside of the car. Given its location and how it was left, police first thought that they might be dealing with a suicide. They ran the plates and found the owner to be a 96-year-old Lillian Stern. Lillian was at home and well. She told officers that her 19-year-old granddaughter Sarah had been using the car, as she often did. Police had to locate Sarah now. Was she in Shark River? Had she fallen? Did she jump? Her father was holidaying in Florida. He spoke with police and he informed them that he'd been trying for hours at that point to get in contact with Sarah, with no luck. Police searched for Sarah in the early hours of December 3rd, turning to her friends for some idea as to where she could be or what could have happened. At around 4am, police spoke with Liam Makatasi. He and Sarah had been friends since they were just six years old. He filled police in on what he knew. Sarah had been depressed lately, suicidal even, he thought, and often spoke about just packing up and moving to Canada. He told officers she had struggled ever since her mother passed away of cancer in 2013 and that her father was crazy. As far as he knew, Sarah had made real plans to leave. At this point, police began to worry that Sarah could have jumped and by now she would have been swept out into the ocean. Police did search Shark River. They searched the surrounding areas. Nothing. Police began piecing together what the day prior looked like for Sarah. She and Liam had spent the afternoon together. They got some food. They'd run some errands. Search parties began to form. Liam and his roommate and Sarah's friend Preston Taylor helped look for Sarah. A month since Sarah disappeared, police were at a dead end. Nothing in the way of leads, no indication as to what had happened. Many who spoke to police in the weeks since she vanished told officers if she really did leave on her own accord, she would never have left her dog Buddy behind. The night she disappeared, Buddy was still in his cage. No food. This was completely out of character for Sarah. The searches were called off just after a month. It looked as if Sarah's disappearance would stay a mystery. Until police were given a major break in the case. A former classmate of Sarah and Liam's had a clue worth sharing. Anthony Curry shared with officers a conversation he'd had with Liam just days before Sarah's disappearance. Liam had told Anthony that Sarah had found some old money in a house that her family owned. He then shared a plot to kill her and take the money. He planned to choke Sarah, dispose of her body on the bridge, and leave the car there to make it look like it was a suicide. Preston, Sarah's friend and Liam's roommate, would drive the getaway car. Anthony had that conversation with Liam over Thanksgiving. He'd been back in Brooklyn since before Sarah's disappearance. 
He said at the time he hadn't thought too much of the conversation. Anthony was a horror filmmaker, and the two had often discussed possible movie plots in the past. But when he heard of Sarah's disappearance, he was instantly haunted by the conversation he and Liam had had. He agreed to help police by organising and recording a meeting with Liam. At that meeting, Liam actually patted him down before he went into any detail about what he'd done. Cameras and recording equipment were installed in the car, not on Anthony. Liam then spent 30 minutes going into graphic detail about how he'd murdered Sarah. He choked her to the point of seizure, with such force that she was dangling in the air. He stuffed a shirt down her throat and held her nose shut. He timed the murder on his phone so that he could still show up at work and secure an alibi. With Preston's help, the two threw her body off the bridge. He'd spent the months prior planning how and when he would do it, down to the little things. He'd watched so that he could then copy the way that Sarah reversed out of her driveway. The night of the third, Liam did reverse the Oldsmobile out with Sarah's body and he headed to the bridge. Preston met them there. With the video and audio of Liam confessing his crime, police arrested him and Preston the next day. Liam refused to speak to police after his arrest and police still did not have the body. The recorded confessions was not enough. But again, police had dealt a lucky break in this case. Preston did confess his involvement. He told police everything. He agreed to testify against Liam at trial. Against his charges of murder, felony murder, conspiracy to commit robbery, robbery, hindering apprehension, tampering with evidence and disturbing human remains, Liam pleaded not guilty. His defence argued that the tape police had was in fact Liam discussing the plot for a movie and that Preston was lying about everything. Liam was found guilty on all accounts and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Preston was sentenced to 18 years for his involvement. Sarah was betrayed and murdered by her best friend, a friend that she'd known almost her whole life. And he did it so that he could try and steal $10,000 from her. <laughs>